Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. All right. Offensively, though, I do think, like, a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about is short-term. This is what happened today. This is the context of it. We're two days in. There's only so much we can draw long-term ramifications of anything. However, offensive line depth is something that was a bit of a concern coming in. Mm -hmm. And so what... What did today show you about those concerns? And the answer could range from like, yeah, they're valid. We're in deep trouble to like, hey, they're getting experience. So it's, it's going to be helpful. Like, where, where are you on, on in, within that range or somewhere outside of it? I think it just shows you the value of a guy like Cornelius Lucas. You know, I think that's that's what I came out of today thinking like having him. So just as just as an example. So one offensive line. So Cosme and Leno, they work against uh, James Smith Williams and, Ch- and Montez Sweat. When that second group comes in, when the second group offensive line come in, they're working against Casey Tuhill and uh, I forget who the other edge rusher is. Um, oh, uh, Abada, F.A. Abada. And both of those guys have played a ton of football in the NFL. Like, like Casey basically started for mostly like half the year last year, and Obata has been a significant role player everywhere he's went. So if you don't have like a good backup tackle situation, those two backup guys can just wreck practice, and that's kind of what happened today. They're they're basically rushing a, a, against a guy who was signed the last day of of minicamp, and he's starting now as a two because Cornelius Lucas isn't there. So again, and you know usually you have to bump Sadiq Charles out, you have to bump Chris Paul out to play. Um, to play tackle, to play right tackle, and Cornelius to play left. But that's okay because both those guys have played tackle before. So at least you can survive now. You know what I mean? But take Cornelius out. You've got two guys who are very inexperienced playing tackle. And then if you've got to bump Chris Paul or Sadiq out, you've got another kind of rotational guard in. And then everybody bumps up with the Trey Turner injury. So to me, I think the more glaring issue here is just the lack of tackle depth, quite honestly. I think at guard, you feel good. You've got guys like, even if we just go through the list, like let's say Trey Turner, Norwell, Wes Schweitzer, um, I think Sadiq could be very, very good. He did some stuff today athletically that's very impressive. Again, there's some, there's like just a lack of detail with some of his stuff, but athletically, like you love what you see out of him. And those are four guards right there that you feel pretty good about. I think Chris Paul is emerging as somebody that could be a good football player in this offense. And then we mentioned Ishmael Roulier as the setters. Like I think you feel pretty good about the interior depth guys. There's two guys in there that have played a lot of football. Wes has played a ton of football in the NFL. So you feel good about him backing up both spots. But that tackle spot gets really, really, really shallow. And you can see how it affects the whole group when he's out of there. Lucas, I'm talking about. Yeah. Do you think that they 
need to bring someone in like sooner rather than later. And these kinds of things happen all the time during training camp. Yeah. There's someone floating out there and, and look, you know, at this point you're looking for a backup and backup players are more likely to be available than starting caliber players. So is this the kind of situation where they need to bring someone in or is Cornelius Lucas, if he's back by the end of the week, they're fine. Yeah, I think if, he, if he's back by the end of the week, I think you feel pretty good about it. I mean, Cornelius Lucas was that guy. He got cut in Oakland, or I forget exactly where. They signed him here kind of in the middle of training camp. He ended up making the team. So there are good offensive linemen floating around there. You just got to kind of hunt and peck and go find them, you know? So I think um, if, if that is a solution that needs to happen, I think go do it. But I think if Cornelius is healthy, I think you feel better. I think the other issue here is the age of Leno. Like he's going to take, he's not going to be practicing as much as the younger guys. And he's earned that right. That's not a criticism of him. Like that's good. Take care of your older guy. But if that's going to be a common thread, especially moving later into camp, something you, you might need to bring someone else in just to kind of offset that and make sure you don't have practice days like this where, you know, essentially your third tackle is blocking F.A. Obata or uh, Casey Tuhill, guys that, again, have played football in the NFL. Right. Is there anything that they can do to kind of help the quality of the practice if one of those guys are out? Like, I mean, you're not going to go to F.A. Obata and be like, hey, hey, buddy, we need <laughs> you to rush at 60% because that's right. all our guy can handle. But, like, is there anything you can do? I guess you could you could do more drills on air. You could do more seven-on-seven. Seven. Like, that, that was my ideas. You're, you played in the league. I just I just watched a bunch of drills. What what can they do to try to make sure that uh, they can get the work they need while not wearing guys out, specifically Leno? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think again, like they do nine on nine, they don't do seven on seven here. And nine on nine essentially means you have the skill possession uh, players, then you have three offensive linemen in, and then you have two rushers and it just helps with like the backs releases and quarterback vision and it's not quite as physical as you know full 11 on 11 drill so i think that's one way to handle that do a little bit more of that um again and i think you know quite honestly if i'm scott turner i'm going to look at this and say there are times we're going to be outmatched this year what is my solution to this can i install can we game plan can i script a practice that allows us to kind of account for this because this this will happen at some point this year right you know, like someone's not feeling good or the matchup's not good. Like, let's 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 game plan that a little bit. Let's make this happen. So, I think that's something that I would definitely take a look at. And then, you know, I mentioned FA Obata. Like, he was a guy that was kind of just chilling in OTAs and minicamp. And all of a sudden, over the last two days, like it's like, oh, it's like camps here. Let's get let's let it rip. So they might have thought they were doing okay based on OTAs and minicamp. And then FA Obata comes out and says, this is this is who I really am over these two days. And again, maybe you're not expecting that as a as an OC. So you know, this is again a good measuring stick of seeing where your depth is actually at. And I, you know, again, maybe it's the coach, the coach in me because I coach a little high school football. Like I'm saying, Scott, like let's do some different stuff. Let's see if we can game plan around this and and manage this issue from a, from a play calling standpoint. At the end of the day, if you're Ron Rivera, or at the end of two days, I guess, if you're Ron Rivera, are you happy with how these practices have gone or? Uh, is it? I mean, I feel like almost at this time of year, it's impossible to be happy because like one side's always going to be doing well, and you're like, yeah, and that means the other side is not doing as well, and you're like, oh no, we have to, <laughs> we have to find solutions. That's for the record. That was uh, those were internal thoughts. That was that was clearly not a Ron Rivera impression. That's <laughs> it's not what Ron sounds it like. A, it's not a good Ron uh, impression. No, because because it, it wasn't a Ron impression. I don't have a good Ron impression. I want to work on it. I think by the end of training camp, maybe that's going to be a mission. I mean, we're going to play. The top he does five have a things. very, yeah. very distinct speaking style. I think you could definitely get there with that. Yeah, there's like it's funny because he's got such a distinct. It's not really vocabulary, 
I mean, I guess it it, I guess it is vocabulary, but it's like his word choice is very distinct in some of the phrases very that particular. he falls back yep. on. Yeah, and so like I re- I went up reading the transcripts a lot of times to try to t- tell Anthony like, hey, let's get this bite for the show because it's a lot more efficient than right. listening to the entire presser if I don't have the chance to catch it live. And there's just certain phrases that I think I think if I can latch on to, I can develop a decent Ron Rivera. I agree. So this is it's, this is my training camp assignment. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, uh, you know, Craig, I'm going to flip that back to you. Okay. How would you feel? How would you, Honestly, how would you feel if the defense was crushing the offense over two days? I feel like I'd feel a little bit frustrated if if my practice plan is not like just, hey, let's let's compete and see what happens. That that if, yeah. if I've got my ones on – if I've got ones on fours – I'm not super psyched that my ones are winning. I'm like, why? How can I yeah. get my ones on my ones? So I, I'd say I'm a little frustrated by it, probably to an extent. But I do think that what you just said is also true. That like, okay, this is going to happen this year. How do we game plan around it? I get. I guess yeah. why I'm also asking you this question is to try to get an understanding of like how much of this stuff is scripted, how much of this is controlled, mm. versus how much of this is kind of live action simulation for for yeah. especially the coordinators. Because it's Ron's job to ultimately like kind of dictate how he wants everything to go. So if he's like, I'm going to test Scott, Jack ramp it up, and Jack ramps it up and Scott doesn't respond, then I'm at least getting the information I want. And I can go to Scott and say, hey, like, come on, buddy, like, pick it up. Yeah. Let's, let's get a little more creative. Like, I need to see some solutions. But then again, you also go, it's not like, it's not like you go into a practice not knowing anything every single play you're going to call. I guess there right. are some situations in like if they simulate a two minute or a four minute offense where you are calling plays live, but so much of it is scripted that I feel like it's hard for me to answer that without knowing what the script was supposed to say. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that when I went back and watched practices, I was like this, it, you know, I don't know what the install schedule is because usually what you do is you have like let's say let's say i'm the offensive coordinator right i'm gonna just double check with ron every day or with not ron with jack to make sure that nothing is coming in that's going to explode our brains right so if we're putting in just say like a run to the right i need to make sure that if you have a sam like bringing the sam linebacker the strong linebacker and the safety to that side i need to have a solution other than just running right into that blitz i need to have Oscar, so switching the direction of the run, or a check play, a tag to that. And I need to know that. And that's my solution to that. So when I watched this today, I was like, is that is that what's going on here? And I felt like a lot of this stuff would have been picked up had they executed the pass protections correctly. And I think a lot of the stunts would have been picked up if they would have had more time working together. So I think it. while it, initially when I was watching practice on the field, I was like, man, this seems like Jack might have skipped ahead a day. You know what I mean? It might right. might have put... Right, and that's kind of what I'm asking. Yeah, might have put uh, Scott in a bad spot. I think it's it was just... It was just... There was a lot of mental mistakes. There was a lot of um, kind of working together mistakes on the offensive line, I think, it, to put it kind of 
kindly, and that's that's true. I'm not trying to sugarcoat that. That's that's what happened, and I think those are what led to those mistakes. So as much as it seems like Jack was ahead of the curve, I just think they 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 just the guys didn't get the protections and how to match up with some of these blitzes. And I think that's that is problematic, but it's good that that happens because now you know Moscow is going to get those guys in meetings tonight and absolutely rip them apart. I'm 100 percent positive that's going to happen, and they're going to be better tomorrow. And that's that's life. That's life in the NFL. This happens. Ebbs and flows. Ebbs and flows. And I think the thing that was frustrating is it wasn't the same guy making this, the mistake on the uh, the pickup. It's a different guy every pickup. And I think that's pretty tough. Yeah, that's definitely tough. Okay, if that's the information that I've got, if I'm Rivera, I'm pretty happy. Like, I can live on day two with my backups and guys playing a little bit out of position compared to where they were making execution level mistakes yeah like mm-hmm. i can i can live with that it's day two if, it, if we're in day 12 and that's happening that's at tough. the same consistency yeah. then i got an issue but yeah. i i'm definitely happy about that and i think i'm also happy about the fact and you know look i'm following it along via twitter and then talking to you about it and, and having people on the show and everything as opposed to getting to to really have a feel for myself live but the fact that there were plays made later in practice, I think also speaks well to the offense. Like I want a bit of back and forth. I want that feel that we get in the NFL during an NFL game where in the first quarter, you take a shot in the mouth out. The whole fan base is upset. Everyone's going crazy that everyone needs to be fired. And then it's like 14, seven midway through the second quarter and you're up a touchdown and everyone thinks you're going to the Super Bowl. Like I, I want that push and pull a little bit yeah. in my training camp practices. We don't need the, the, the hullabaloo of the outside pressure, but you, you know, I want to see how you respond to a little bit of adversity. I want to see that you stick to it and you try to make plays and that you continue to, to move forward. And so Hearing that, even on back-to-back plays, like St. Juice makes a play against Jahan, Jahan goes out and makes a play the very next play, and Carson has the trust to throw it. Like that's yeah. that's to me is a good sign and, and says that hey, we're going in the right direction through two days. The bar is so low through two days. So two that, days that, yeah. that that to me seems like they're reaching it. And I think I think that's so important for fans. Like you know, we talk about this, like you said, like it's two days. We talk about it a lot. It's it's fun. Like it's 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 the only day that we have. But it's so easy to oversell two days of anything, right? So I think it's just important that this is probably going to get better. It's going to change. And to be fair to the defense today, it wasn't even that back and forth. Like that was like the one big play that happened today was Jahan. Like that's how dominant yeah. and on it the defense was. So um, again, only two days. A lot of, lot of time still yet to grow. Tomorrow there's a practice, which is always great. They don't even have pads on yet, so um, lot a of, lot of cool stuff. So don't fans, I know want to want to freak out, get excited about this, but really good two days for the defense. Offense has some growing to do. Hopefully they get it figured out in the next you know forty eight hours, seventy two hours. So.